0: Come to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 initiative. All right, let's start it out.
1: Let's do this, folks. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know, back from the dead. Yeah, he is alive. Folks, uh, we have not recorded in a while, three weeks or so. Um, I think the last time... We recorded, uh, was one of the last times I was in public. Is that right?
0: Was it? Did you know you were sick at that point?
1: No, I feel like it was the week prior. Um, I think, uh, we recorded, I think September 30th, maybe. Okay. Um, and then we have not recorded since then. Um, but, uh, I didn't have to look and see. I got a
0: couple posted. We got the glorious Father Michael Olo.
1: That's right, back from Cali. Olo shows up like the the light of a seal door when all other lights go out. You know, you can rely upon Olo to just like randomly show up as a light in all in dark places when all other lights go out.
0: Dude might have been um, by locating. <laughs> You're right. I mean, he does. He just shows up.
1: Yeah, he just randomly he randomly texts and says, "Hey, I'm in Denver." Um, can I stay at your place? I'm like, I have the Rona. So, uh, shout out to Deacon Joe Gerber, who, um, out of every COVID room, every nursing home, every like person I came into contact with, all of them proved unsuccessful in giving me the coronavirus, except Deacon Joe Gerber, who served with me at the 9am mass, uh, two Sundays ago, um, or three Sundays ago and uh, that's when I got sick.
0: I have wondered about that because it's like, people will inform me, the last, I don't know, whatever, last two years almost, right? Right. This, um, people will occasionally say, hey, I was exposed to coronavirus, or I got the coronavirus, or somebody at my event got the coronavirus. Exposure
1: notifications.
0: And let us know if, you know, if you feel anything.
1: Right. But if you
0: get two or three of those, how are you supposed to know where you got it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I he said to me, he said to me that um that he got it, his wife got it, his son got it, his nephew or cousin mm. got it. Um so he has, you know, like he had a particularly powerful dosage. Mm. And um so I got tested, got was negative, uh said mass on Uh, Wednesday, and then Thursday um, did regular day, and then in the evening, that's when I started feeling sick. And I was like, what is
0: going on? Did Uh, you know it was
1: that? No, uh, but I had a feeling it might be. I mean, here's one of the things that I know uh, is a telltale sign. I had a non-enjoyable experience at Taco Bell. Oh, no. Right. Baja beef chalupa? Uh, They no longer make the Baja chalupa. Oh, yeah. Um, They actually only have chicken chalupas on the menu. So I had to specifically order a beef chalupa, which I did. Nice. Two beef chalupas. Um, So I don't know what your thoughts are, but there are purists, Taco Bell purists, that will only eat at Taco Bell's, not Taco Bell slash um, KFC or Pizza Hut.
0: Nope, not a purist. I don't know <laughs> why that should be any different.
1: Well, I mean, uh, for some people, they, they find it grotesque that you could pull up to a Taco Bell and also order, like, say, a personal pan pizza. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, so, I
0: worked at Pizza Hut, and I love Pizza Hut. So if you can get that in there. But I don't know. Does it mean they're using the same greases if you're I have cooking no ide- the chicken? And
1: I have no idea. I have no idea what goes on back there. I've never worked at any uh, famous restaurant. I mean, other than like famous to decatur but like uh i've never worked at like a, f- a fast food place that you would recognize because you were both wendy's and pizza hut. pizza hut.
0: that's right um and i worked for like a month at mcdonald's oh really but i was like 15 and that was before pizza hut and they wouldn't let me do anything because i was too young so okay. all i could do was like mop the floor and wipe tables wipe tables No thanks. And yeah, it was a job, and I was looking forward to just, you know, having a job, meeting people, working together. And
1: And Wendy's gave you that opportunity.
0: Well, and then Pizza Hut. Yeah, I I started working for Pizza Hut, and they had me cook. I was a cook, Hmm. and so I was in the back room, kind of alone. I'd read the screen with the order, make the pizza, throw it in the oven, make the next one. It was like an assembly line.
1: Wow. And I really liked it. I mean, is, are the pans that they use for, pers- like, pizza, whatever, not personal pans, but, like, just pan pizza, are they as greasy as the crust? Oh, like, yeah, Do man. you wash them?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. No, they wash pretty well. It's almost like... You don't need to, though. What I mean? do you call that thing that... Uh, cast iron. Cast iron. Yeah. It's almost like that. Yeah. But you do wash them, and then you fill them with a lake of oil before Ooh, you put that lake crust of oil the crust come in this like frozen disc and then you fill it with the lake of oil and then you set the crust frozen disc in there and then you let it Whoa. rise for a, i forget how long wow. but for hours and just soak in that grease huh Ooh, it's delish well but anyway um no no offense taco bell but i'm I I don't think of it as they must have like super sanitary standards, and no. everything is going to be just like spectacular in oh, the Taco know. Bell kitchen.
1: Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. But like some people, they they just like they like the the simplicity of you only make one food there, not not multiple kinds of food. But I That's was fair. desperate. I was but desperate. So
0: you did go to the trip.
1: So I went to the I went to the a uh, a uh, uh, whatever a shared. Taco Bell slash KFC because I'd heard rumors that they made really good Taco Bell because presently the Taco Bell next to my house, which is a solitary Taco Bell, is making really bad Taco Bell. Uh oh It's not good. And we're disappointed. And so anyway, so then I went to the shared one, was really excited, and I'm eating it and I'm like, I don't, this doesn't taste good. Mm. Like I don't, I don't feel good. Um, and then like, I get through it and I'm like, Oh no, like what's happening. And then the next morning I said, uh, do a communion service. I need to get tested. I had to sit in on a meeting for zoom and somebody texted me, uh, our vicar for vicar general texted me and was like, you're playing hooky. And I'm like, no, I actually think I'm sick. And then sure enough, like go get tested. It's positive. Um, did you
0: text him back?
1: Yes, of course. Yep, I I didn't, I wasn't smug about it, but I was like, be glad that I didn't infect everyone in that case. Nice. Well,
0: so, okay, so before um, moving forward, how's Deacon's family? Is everybody okay?
1: Everybody's fine. I actually saw his wife um, in the office the other day. She looked great. Um, she said that, you know, their taste buds or taste whatever is coming back and uh, just, you know, going on some walks and getting energy back, but oh, good. um To all the people who have suffered with this um, and, like, had to endure it, I mean, I have a new profound respect for you. Um, For all the people that cared for people who had it, for all the nurses and whatever. Like, I mean, beforehand it was just like, I mean, seriously, people get sick. I know. I'm still there. I'm kind of like,
0: yeah, I've had the flu before.
1: Right. But I think there is a way in which it's so unpredictable like how certain people respond to it. Like I just heard today that apparently based on your blood type, uh, you'll have it worse depending on, uh, depending on what blood type you have.
0: I heard that back when, but I thought that was just one of the many. So Myths. so, how was it? What was the experience for you? Um, uh, you it, lost the taste or the taste went weird. Did yeah, the so taste ever go away or was it just weird?
1: It got weird. It got real weird. Like water tasted weird. Whoa. Um, And uh, just things that people would make, like would either taste really, really bad or not taste at all. Um, I will not say who who made what, but somebody made something for me and they could be listening. So I don't want to say what it was, but I was actually physically angry. At this, <laughs> this thing, and I was like, Why would anybody serve that to anyone? Oh, like, no. I'm just offended that this is in my house right now. And I'm gonna
0: say it was like a jello mold or a fruitcake. I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is because you literally <laughs> just, to just
1: think, I hate cottage cheese. Just the sight of it, I was like, physically like I wanted to throw it against the wall. I was so mad.
0: (laughs) Did you give it to father Chris?
1: No, I had, I had two other seminarians with me. So the day I found out I had COVID two other seminarians had COVID and then they ended up coming and quarantining with me. Um, so shout out to Max and John and Thomas. John was out of quarantine two days later. Uh, but Max and Thomas and I did pretty much the entire, um, quarantine together. And, uh, So, yeah, I mean, like, I thought for a few days it would be like, oh, yeah, this will be simple. No problems. Um, And then at some point it got, like, very dark um, Mm -hmm. and very, uh, like, you're not getting better. I felt like I wasn't getting better.
0: Was it getting worse? Did you ever go to the hospital? You didn't go to the hospital. I
1: didn't go to the hospital. No, I. But people were. People are very kind. Uh, But they're like, oh, you know, day five is a real determining day. And if you don't have a good day five, you're probably going to get pneumonia. And I'm like, thank you for (laughs) that. Uh, No pressure. Um, So anyways, um, I kept a very close watch on my symptoms. I had a very good nurse and a very good doctor who checked in with me every single day. And they were very balanced and patient and they just said, stay on your routine. If anything changes, you know, we'll, we'll handle it. Um, but, um, but yeah, at some point it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get better. Like physically, I, I didn't know if I was going to no, no. get over it. I do um, think
0: that's like a mental thing. Cause um, I've been, I don't know when you get sick, you do have different, you, you know, your mind, your mind can go irrational. True. Like okay, this is a few days, this happens, mm-hmm. into this, like, oh, is this something else? Is this something worse? Is this going to be, you know? So yeah. that could be, I mean, it's a long, it's, it's, it's unpredictably lasting, right, the coronavirus. Like, it could be a few days. You hear people got over it in two days. Right. Other people, weeks,
1: you know. Right. I thought, I started off really positive, Like, I mean, my doctor said, you have a mild case. And I was like, oh, yeah, mild case. I'm going to friggin' dominate this. Like, I actually sold myself. I was like, man, I'm going to, like, make a bunch of chili and, like, put it in the freezer. And then I'll just have all this chili and pasta sauce or whatever. Um, And, like, day two, I made cookies. And uh, they were really good. You want to know my secret? Yes. So uh, somebody asked, you know, uh, shout out to Dion Spa. Uh, she, tried, she made me uh, a pie while I was um, sick. Uh, her, her mother, Dorothy, made amazing pies. She, may she rest in peace. Um, she died last year. Uh, but I was like, I was like I'm going to make some cookies. And um, I made some cookies off the back of the bag from Costco. So they have a recipe on the Costco giant bag of chocolate chips. Uh, But I have two little secrets that I threw in there. Yeah. I decided since I had the time. Vanilla extract. Since I had. Actually, that was the crazy thing. I smelled the vanilla extract and I couldn't smell it. And I was like, now we're in trouble. That was day three, actually. (laughs) Once I lost my sense of smell, I was like, we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, But no. No. I, since I had the time, because sometimes you make cookies and you, you're trying to do it too quick. Okay. Cookies make it seem like you have more time. But in fact, it's an art, as I've seen with uh, Father Daniel Eusterman. He does a very good yeah, job he's the Yeah,
0: he's the baker extraordinaire.
1: But um, I said, I have the time. So, I, one, I'll make sure that all the ingredients are well measured and everything. But I'll sift the flour. And so, really? instead of normally where it's just like you just reach in, grab the grab the you know cup, and then slam it into the mixer, I was like, no, I'm going to pre-sift two cups of flour, and then I'm going to uh, slowly mix that into the to the mix. Wow! And uh, the texture of the flour was very different. Uh, because it had been sifted. Now, I don't know if that made a huge difference or whatever. Somebody will probably say, you know, this is what happens when you do that. The other thing was I had all of these diced or grated pecans. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, this is how I know that I'm getting old, used to be when people were like, hey, I made chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, awesome. And then they're like, I put walnuts in them. I'm like, I why? was going
0: to ask you, I love walnuts. Why would you in do there? that?
1: I love it. I'd get so angry at those people. Why would you put nuts in a perfectly good cookie? Yeah. And now that I'm old, I'm like, hmm, walnuts sound pretty good. So then I was about to do the uh, walnuts, but then I have uh, a bag of uh, grated, finely grated pecans. Mm. And I was like, why not? So then I rolled those in there, bam. And they're like um, salty and sweet. I'm trying to think of like the, it's like pebbles or it's like powder. It was almost powder. Mm. Yeah, it was very fine. So Um, it's a flavor. Yeah, it was a flavor and it
0: it doesn't bring the crunch.
1: It doesn't bring the crunch, but I would say uh, there is a lady, there's a lady at my parish who makes cookies for funerals. And I only know it based on the container that they normally come in and the, the kind that they are. But I told her, I said, I said, these are the best chocolate chip cookies. What's your secret? And she said, walnuts. Uh-huh. She makes them with walnuts.
0: Any, uh, do you have any of these cookies or are you just bragging to me?
1: Well, I mean, uh, as one person said, you made COVID cookies. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. nobody actually Touché. wants to eat them. Not sure. I want so that. I only gave them to people who had already previously had COVID. Um, <laughs> so maybe community that, cookies. Yeah. Oh, so weird, um, weird. they they were a hit while they were here, um, and then uh, and then there was like three left before the quarantine, and I just I literally threw away everything in the refrigerator.
0: Out boy. So you remember when you know when it first hit, everybody was like sanitizing all the groceries when yep. they got them from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, at the risk of embarrassing you, what, what did you do to occupy your time? Did you binge watch all of the seasons of Survivor with the uh, seminarians?
1: One of my worst days in COVID, uh, the guys decided to watch Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. and I like that show. I was having a bout of fever and chills, and I was angry that I was still sick. And I was angry at Shark Tank because they are very demeaning to all the people and they're very smug. Um, And even the people who like try really hard and have good ideas, they just like make them feel small. So I was screaming at the television, um, you know, yelling about Shark Tank. Uh,
0: Here's one. Okay. So this is the most recent. I'm a teacher and i often port books in my car and i tend to just throw them on the back seat hmm, mm-hmm. where they get can can get crumpled they can fly forward they can true uh, just kind of be messy and i thought i'd like to see a portable bookshelf hmm. that's somehow built into the car like a, not built in but you could you could add it so maybe on that you know that middle in the middle of the seat in the back. Yeah, the console. Yeah, the console. Uh-huh. You can pull it down, but then you could just fit in some sort of plastic thing. Or you could drape it over the back of the seat and Ooh.
1: then put your books in there. That would be interesting. It's very
0: particular, and it's not like everybody's going to want a bookshelf in their car. But
1: That's perfect for celibates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, or road trips. What did you uh, What did you gross in the last quarter with this? how many uh, How many units are you planning on making
0: Well, you know it's still a concept, but how many celibates I'll, are there in the united States i'll get right you now? I'll get you I'll, uh, if you put invest a hundred thousand dollars in it, <laughs> I'll give you ten percent of the first year so
1: you're saying income. it's worth a million dollars. You're saying that this comp this is what they do yeah, to people yeah, yeah you know um but um I did watch that um my guilty pleasure. Um, is Chicago PD. I love cop shows, um, and I think that Chicago PD, because it's Dick Wolf, otherwise known as uh, Wolf Dick. Uh, but uh, Dick Wolf is the um, is the writer of like sh- Law and Order, SVU, oh, yeah. uh, Law and Order, Chicago PD. I think he's Chicago Fire. Um, he does all these things, and like the guy is so predictable, uh, but it's just so funny. So I caught up on that show. Um, and then, honestly, the, the one of my favorite things that I watched during uh, COVID was The Chosen. Oh, it's so good.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> did you watch all of it? I think I'm in the middle of the second season, and, and I just kind of lost interest. Maybe I lost interest.
1: A little bit. I would say that the first season um, is is one of the best series that I've ever watched, regardless of... Regardless of whether or not it's a religious series or whatever, it's very engaging, very well acted. Um, I think they do they do a beautiful job of character development, um, and I think that the performance of the person who plays Jesus um, was one of the best and well acted performances. Mm. Um, I don't know why in season two I haven't gravitated as much towards towards that same character. Um, but somehow in that first season, just maybe it was the mysteriousness of of Jesus and actually like seeing him in like random settings, um, really like made it come alive. So
0: yeah, I mean it's got the quirky characters, you know, kind of the short Peter with his <laughs> his cool wife who's like you know yeah kind of like real. And that, um, what is he? OCD Matthew, OCD Matthew, Poor or autistic guy. Matthew? Yeah. And um, that <coughs> real feisty Mary Magdalene, and um, yeah, I like the and Nicodemus who's trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, Nicodemus grew on me. I had never, I never really considered him as much of a, a character in terms of wow, he had a life, he had a background. He has a family. He has a job. Um, he has his own beliefs about how Judaism should be and operate or whatever. So, yeah,
0: even the idea of this traveling Pharisee rabbi was cool. I liked that. Like, I just didn't think a whole lot about Pharisees outside of Jerusalem. Right. And I don't know that that's, like, historically accurate, but it, I did find it—he uh, is a—he's what? He's like a teacher of the law right. in the scriptures, so— yeah. It, it, it's just a, there was an exercise of a lot of creativity in kind of um, portraying these different stories from the Bible. And if you, it, there's like a balance between being super literal and it's kind of stale, yes, or getting so off course, yeah, that it's obviously ideological or something. Right. Like, there was one, a Mary Magdalene movie with Joaquin Phoenix and. I don't know Rooney Mara maybe. And it's just it's just like kind of Hollywood ideals mm, mm-hmm. where Mary Magdalene is like the the great leader of the apostles and oh. she has to teach Jesus how to be Jesus and it's not like I'm not like oh yeah there's just you know the feminist agenda or something I don't care you can try it but the movie was just stale. Yeah. It wasn't really that great. It didn't get good reviews. Nobody really loved it. And you're not moved by anybody. And I like that about The Chosen. I felt like really emotionally moved yeah. by all of these episodes. Well done, well, folks.
1: Well, well, <clears throat> the thing that I wanted to talk about today was actually, I mean, it sounds selfish, but I did want to uh, go through, take you through the you know drama of COVID um, for myself, um, but also to let you know, like, we are back. We are getting back in the swing of things. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup for... A while but um but i did want to i did want to talk just briefly about um a particular event um in during that during that illness like i mentioned um and it was when like i actually thought what if what if i never get better like what if what if i i don't i don't come back from this um and uh and i i realize- you realize after you're sick how often people live in that reality that mm-hmm. they have a situation or a condition that they are not they're not going to get better from or it's it seems very very hopeless mm. um and I don't know what that's like other than uh for a week and a half feeling. A little down and on the brink of you know maybe going one direction or another but given modern medicine given everything that was you know kind of facing me i didn't feel as precarious as perhaps another person does um but i guess the the question i would want to ponder um for the for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of a lot of people who um perhaps who are listening uh, who are who are handling their own um, illness with with the daily acknowledgement of I don't know how I'm going to get through this um, is where is where is Christ in the midst of all of that? Beautiful.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I it is it's just a regular conundrum question um it's a point where people with a a kind of comfortable sense of god and i don't mean that i'm I'm not trying to be pejorative about that i think in a good really good way like they got a good relationship with god it challenges it you know when you're saying like why is this or especially with chronic illness like why does this keep going on Mm -hmm. um Or a loved one who's suffering, you know? And then we say stuff like offer it up or unite your suffering with Jesus or, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to make sense of that all the time. I'm careful with that because I don't, I I guess I haven't suffered that kind of a feeling enough to know, does this really relate to people? Can they, is it really relevant or is it trite? You know, and is it easier said than done kind of thing? So um, I think it, it could help me a lot just to hear your reflections on that and, um, and to know as a pastor of souls, like, you know, how do you help people in that situation?
1: There's a part in the first season of The Chosen where uh, Jesus does heal someone who has been sick for a long time. And <clears throat> they do a great job of actually like conveying like how weary the person is with with this malady um and that they've lived with it for so long that in some way like it's become it's grown into part of their life mm. um and they don't look outside of it because it's just a constant a constant ache a constant pain a constant uh, sorrow um, and uh, and then, when they get to the point where like Jesus is able to to like touch that to to heal that there's there 's such an astonishment that the good could actually come from this that whereas previously it never seemed like it would go away in an instant. It can, it can be, you know, brought back. Yeah. Um,
0: and you get to the point where, yeah, you've accepted it so uh, closely. Not that you wouldn't. I mean, after a very long time or, you know, something chronic, it would be like, now I'm praying for God to give me peace instead of being feisty with people mm-hmm. and being angry or feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Or you're kind of like that next level where you forget to even ask for, like, the, the healing, you know, because yeah. you just don't, I can't be, you know, I can't be healed of that. And then your your point about, um, or your statement about the glory, it makes me think of um, the man born blind, John 9. Um, no, no one sinned that this man is blind, uh, but yeah. it's for the glory of God. Right. And then again in Lazarus' story in John 11, he says, um, this weakness, this sickness is not unto death, but is for the glory of God. Um, and is, that's a mystery? Yeah,
1: but and I would just say like, um, uh, to have to have a brief moment where all you can see is the day-to-day prospect of nothing's changing, nothing's nothing's happening. Um, the same, um, the same symptoms are still abundant the the same outcomes are saying are still happening um like i started keeping a whatever tab on my notes page on my phone so that i could know like okay how long has it been since i haven't had a fever you know Mm. and you just start looking at the charts and it's like this is just going to keep continuing Mm. and there's no pattern there's no, there's no hopeful pattern. It's just kind of like bouncing back and forth. Um, and at some point, like the weariness sits in and I, got, I get the sense, I got the sense that it's like, this could be forever. Like this could honestly just not go away. Um, and to actually feel that, like albeit for a brief moment, I have not had to feel that in I don't know how long. Like, every other illness that I've suffered had a general arc to it and was like, up, and then at some point you get really sick or you whatever, and then it breaks, and then you're done. Like, I've never had anything linger Mm. for for a time. Maybe when I was a kid, like, my parents um, had to deal with something, but I didn't. I didn't know I was going through it. This was like one of the first times that it it just seemed like it was just abiding. Mm. And I haven't I haven't sucked on that emotion or I haven't felt that feeling um in my adult life. And it was a really profound experience for me of utter dependence upon the Lord mm. and upon others. I mean we were literally getting food dropped off on our doorstep because I had no, I had no energy. I wasn't going to be doing anything. Um, but uh, I didn't know how it was all going to work out. Um, and that was really f- freaky. Um, and for a lot of people, like when they get to that point in their life and it doesn't go away... I don't know how much energy it requires for them to just do basic things. Like, the fact that they, they don't see an end to their suffering, whether it's physical or mental or financial. Like, like, one of the things that I was pondering was like, what if instead of sickness, this was just debt? Mm. And like...
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I would,
1: I'm completely and utterly frozen by the fact that I'll never, I'll never be able to repay this.
0: this. Yeah. That makes me think of, um, well, one, I, I was thinking of physical suffering, but I, you know, I have mental illness and there was a point where it's, it was, there was a time when I was like, okay, but this doesn't have to affect my life. You know, it's there, but whatever I can just live like, you know, live like I've always lived and just manage everything. And, Um, and then like coming to terms with it and just realizing this is life, this is life. And I don't really know how to, um, you can't manage it, you know, it's, it's there and it manages your constitution for in in a way, maybe like akin to like a flu or a physical suffering Mm -hmm. that is just there. Um, and it's not debilitating that way, but it's, um, there's something of a resignation that could really um, break you, you know, or just make you sad or to, to you, to despair or something. Mm-hmm. But there's also, yeah, like you say, dependence is it can be a good thing for the Christian life, certainly. And um, a kind of trust makes you grateful for a lot of things um, when you get that perspective. But there is a shift. To saying this, this doesn't change. This won't change, and and I don't know that it's yeah. I mean, I haven't really thought about it a whole lot, but um, that um, that feeling. That's just a what do I do with it now? What do I do with it now spiritually? And how do I relate with God? Um, just recognizing a new piece of my life, you know. So that's like a personal, you know, example. And, um, and then I think of a lot of the, well, not a lot of people, but I've done prison ministry and Mm -hmm. the recidivism in that world. And just the, the cycle of, um, you commit a crime and you're a felon. Now you can't get a job and it's depressing. And, uh, well, you can get some jobs, but you can't get certain jobs and you are already behind. It's almost like the debt the debt to society, the debt of life. And um, you, you kind of get stuck. You can get stuck. There's a lot of people who do and don't see a way out. That's just their life now. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of advocates on the political front on, about, like, how do we do reform of the um, the justice, justice. system mm-hmm. and all that stuff? And, and how do we help people who are in this situation of, like, You get caught in that cycle when you're a kid, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16, and then what, your whole life is going to be defined by it or whatever. Sure, Um, But that's what the debt that you mentioned makes me think of is like, there's a lot of different situations that could put you in this similar position.
1: Mm -hmm. What I appreciate about it, um, having come out of it, which is, you know, for people with, as you mentioned, like, uh f- felony backgrounds or an ongoing mental illness um it doesn't just fade into the background, but for me, like having gotten better and I'm grateful for that, I don't want to lose that experience of the psalm the psalmist writes in you rests all my hope and at some point like If I get better, but I don't actually maintain that, that dependence upon God, um, or the feeling that like all of this could be robbed from me if I, if, if I didn't, if I don't have you like, um, that I don't, I don't want that just to get swallowed up in, oh, now I feel fine. Now I feel fine. Back to whatever Chipotle. Chipotle. You know, today I had chili rellenos at this random uh, greasy restaurant. Did you
0: get the ch- chalupas? Did
1: no, we I went redeem to, the chalupas. I didn't go to Taco Bell. I went to a uh, I went to Stony Creek Cafe uh, well, in uh, Littleton. There's still time. It was it was pretty trashy, but excellent chili rellenos. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can get to the point where it's like it just fades into the memory, and I don't I don't have a need anymore. Mm. I'm fine. So now I can just move on with my life. But it's like something was extremely instructive in that moment of dependence. Mm. Like I did not pray. uh, I did not pray extendedly on on my COVID quarantine. But I did. There were moments where I sat in my chair and I was like, Lord, help me. Mm. Like I can't do this. I can't do this without you. Um, and I felt like that was a more authentic place to be in Mm. than, man, I'm doing awesome, which is what, I mean, I'm usually just asking Lord, Lord, just give me some green chili. Like I'm fine. Just put a little green chili on it and everything will be great. I'll, I'll, I'll keep rocking it as opposed to Lord. I have nothing. I got
0: nothing and the dependence on the friends, you know?
1: You needed meals, True. you needed a doctor
0: checking in. You got yeah. a lot of people that you recognize. These people are are often around and yeah. you don't maybe it's just like a you don't recognize that you are in need of mm-hmm. people and help and um yeah. It is a yeah, particular perspective. So I got two questions is um one how do you foster that, um, dependence? And two, how do you not forget? Like, how do you remember? Mm -hmm. And then also like, how do you just roll with the momentum of now? I've, I've been in a situation where I've learned to pray a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and a little bit more. And how do I uh, foster that? You know, and they're probably both related remembering this, but even if you don't remember the particular feeling, it's like, well, you can learn from, you know, build on that.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say <clears throat> um, when we when we say Mass, oftentimes when we get to the petitions, it's like for the Pope, for the politicians, and for the sick. Um, but um, uh, if I was... If I was dependent upon a politician to actually determine my fate um, as a magistrate or as a judge or as something like that, and I came through a difficult circumstance, um, I would pray more fervently for the politicians uh, than I than I would presently. Um, knowing my friends who are in the military, knowing my friends who are who are police and fire. Like I pray for the police and fire in a different way because I have a specific specific solicitude care for those people. Um, Having been, having been sick um, and so utterly dependent, like I know now like that frantic prayer of certain people um, that, when they ask you to pray for them, they really are asking you to pray for them. Yeah. And there are other times it's like, hey, can you pray for my son? He's, you know, he's trying for a new job and, you know, just needs a little encouragement. And I'm yeah. like, sure, They're like, I'll pray for that person. But then there are people that are like, with tears in their eyes, like, begging you, please, please help. I can't do anything. Please about help my this. child. Actually, one of the things that I read on COVID. Uh, which was the first like three days of COVID, was uh Bonnie Engstrom's uh story of the miracle baby, uh, uh James Fulton, um uh who was the kid that got the miracle for uh Fulton Sheen.
0: Okay, and you got to tell me the story because I don't know this.
1: I'll t- we're gonna do a podcast on that later. Oh, okay. I, I saw the book upstairs, uh, but um, what'd you like, call him?
0: Bonnie Engstrom.
1: Bonnie Engstrom. Engstrom. Uh, she is from Washington, Illinois, uh, or Eureka, Illinois, something like that. Anyways, um, and um, her son was, um, was without a pulse for 52 minutes mm. um, and it has no effects from it. Wow. So you, you encounter people who are like, absolutely, will you please pray for my child? Um, And that's just a different experience. And I think connecting back to your own weakness in that moment where it was like, I called on the Lord and he heard my voice. Um, And now other people are saying, call upon the Lord so that he can hear my voice. Um, I pray the Mass and I pray the Psalms with a different um, intensity because I know that there are others who are truly dependent upon prayer at that moment. Mm. so that's the first thing the second thing that you said is how do we reconnect back with that experience um and i would say that the goal is to to live from compassion
0: yeah i was just gonna say compassion
1: and you have you have to reconnect with the experience of the dependence that you had um and today you know thankfully one of our parishioners reached out and asked if um, somebody could go visit their mom who has COVID. And I literally have not wanted to meet with anybody because I felt so sick and so tired, whatever. And when they said somebody has COVID and needs somebody to visit them, I was like, perfect. (laughs) That's the only thing I can do. (laughs) Like, that's the one thing that I know that I'm really good at right now. Um, And, I remember going into those rooms and being like, oh, gosh, like, I don't want to get this virus, and like, like I hate wearing this mask, and, like, there was all sorts of reasons why I was just like, I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, and it's
0: depressing at the hospitals, particularly, but for the longest time, you couldn't have family there. Yeah. It feels just stale or, like, kind of artificial or so, something is just, um Yeah. Even, like, hospitals are hard enough, yeah. but then if you don't get the family and friends around, right? it's, like, and the this pers- is just depressing. Yeah. And, and that the, sounds almost selfish. And, I feel selfish, self-conscious. And all self-conscious the, pe- all the people are, that.
1: like, walking around in these, like, space masks, space yeah. suits, and the, the person is, like, writhing. Um <laughs> uh, it's just, people, you
0: know, this is gonna scare people more than it's not always like that you could go to people's homes too but
1: right but like i mean i'm remembering the covid unit that i went to um where they were like if they could have sealed it off like with like bricks and like fire they would have yeah uh, but they were like that's where you go into just do whatever you need to do like put on all the stuff burn everything after you're done in there, like, you know, and I remember going in there and being like, I don't like this. I don't, I want to, want to leave, whatever. And, uh, (laughs) and then now it's just like, oh, I, I remember that feeling. And I remember the feeling where uh, people just kind of back away from you and, you know, and so I go in and I was wearing a mask just because that's just what you do. And then I go and I see this person. And then I was like, so do you mind if we pray together? And they said, yes. And I said, do you mind if I take off my mask? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And to me, it was just like, I was very grateful that I could encounter them in their weakness. And as we prayed together, I just I just said, like, because we were, we were reading uh, from the uh, Acts of the Apostles, where the man looks at them expecting to receive, you know, something an alm and he says silver or gold i have acts three yeah i have i I don't have but like you know what i have i give you in the name of jesus rise and walk and like like just that man feeling like can you give me anything Mm. like is can you can you help me help um and to receive more than we ever imagine but like that feeling of can you help Mm. um and the only prayer that I could utter at times was like, "Lord, help me." And she like lit up when I said that because she's like, "That's exactly how I feel." Mm. And so I would say to reconnect with the experience of being so helpless that like we just, I just need you, Lord. Um, that's an important place to to live in. And I don't know if it's a place that you can just make yourself get to.
0: Mm. But that compassion piece, compassion, con with and passio to suffer. So you're suffering with people and there's something of the mirror of your suffering to help you remember, to help you be that person, to be that, um, to know their, their helplessness and their desire for help. And, it makes me think of you, are like Damien of Molokai. You know, he gets leprosy mm-hmm. and he stays with the lepers. And yeah. He just brings the light of Christ. You know, at, at, some,
1: at some point, you're just like, this is just who I am. You know, it doesn't like you're, you don't think of it as anything big because you're just like, I almost died from this. Like, it almost robbed me. And like, then you're like, I'm not going to let this define the rest of my life. What he had to deal with was, it was going to rob him of the rest of his life. It was a debilitating condition. Mm-hmm. People who who have mental illness, it's like, where do you where do you find comfort when it's like doesn't it doesn't go away?
0: Mm-hmm. But there is something about connecting with other people with mental illness. That's, I feel like. I mean, I, I don't have a kind of severity. At the, at the cathedral, I work with schizophrenics who mm-hmm. are constantly thinking that vampires are attacking them and the FBI is shooting lasers at their dogs' faces. And as silly and ridiculous as that sounds, imagine actually being in that mindset yeah. throughout your life, right? all of your waking moments. And I do think I have a particular love for and desire to help People with mental illness because of my own, and um, and that's just yeah something that you develop of like it's almost like you're what you're talking about even immunity. It's like I can relate in a way that other people can't relate, and I want to, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't how long do you stay immune so that you can go and do all the covid for maybe I'll ever. I'll call you to do the covid anointings
1: I mean I seriously feel like having gone through it like I'm I'm going to be immune for a long time they'll probably say you know you only get 3 months of immunity or 6 months of immunity or a year of immunity um but whatever I'm going to I'm going to like when you have the star in Mario Kart you just keep riding the star. And then actually at some point, even though the star isn't running, you can still hit people and sometimes they still like act like you still have the star on. You know what I mean? Like this the music's not what, playing like anymore. The moment know? after? Yeah, there's like a there's like a brief moment a after where when the star runs out and the 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 glitter is no longer coming off of you and the music's no longer playing, if you hit somebody, they will still like bounce oh. off. So sometimes you just gotta act like the star is still on you. Yeah, and because you don't know, you know. So
0: well, don't be cavalier, but um, I like it. Yeah, I like the peace and the confidence. And and to all rep- all reports that I've heard, the immunity from having had. The disease is the strongest.
1: Yeah, it's one of the ways. I mean, some people, some people have um, different ways of finding immunity, um, and this was the way that the Lord gave to me. So, anyhow. Um, well, I'm,
0: I'm. Thank you. Impressed. I'm happy for you. I've been praying for you the whole time. He has.
1: Father Mike was very kind and and checked in on me and made sure like that that I wasn't you know dying. So,
0: and. Anyway. I'm impressed with the way that you prayed it. I'm happy. You're a spiritually mature man, my friend. All right, then what? Shoutouts.
1: Yep. Sorry, uh, I'm on Baby Watch right now. Uh, my sister is uh, nine and a half He's months pregnant. He's checking his phone. So um, uh, th- while we were talking, like ten messages came up. So I was like, oh my gosh, because honestly, like Do you Octo- know the name October is a packed month with saints. But October 21st is a dead zone for saints. So I'm like, Ashley, come on. Wait until tomorrow. It's St. John Paul II.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: Anthony Anthony Mary Claret.
0: Well, we had uh, Isaac Jogues and Jean de Brebeuf Yes. Some of my favorites.
1: I know. I was actually hoping that she'd have the baby then, but whatever. Anywho. Um,
0: and oh, as long as we're
1: shouting out and I just said Brebeuf.
0: Got to shout out One of my seminarians is a servant of Christ Jesus Who made his first professions Only about a month ago Uh And he is Andrew Brebeuf Nice And uh, so shout out He's he's a great student He's a really delightful guy Um, Holy and uh, pious and zealous Real gentleman
1: That's our chapel um, at here at Schloss is St. Jean de Bray Booth yep. yeah, so right I on. get to name it so uh, shout out to everyone who dropped off food um, so to uh, Eileen Glenn uh, Rob and Megan Dollenbach, Bree and Jim Phipp um, uh, Aaron Hewley um, uh, Megan Langfield uh, Mary Volcani um, I'm trying to think who else If anything uh, Jennifer Sharn uh, so they they, I'm just going through all of the meals That I know that we've had um, So thank you for the kindness that you showed To us uh, in our hour of need And to Dorothy uh, To Dion Spa For the pie
0: And I want to As long as we're talking about people of compassion A great lover of Dorothy Day Wrote a a nice letter uh, Mrs. Amy Hackinson From Somerset cool um so thank you for that uh, we love dorothy day and uh, dr wright has given uh wrote a great book yeah. about her if you're looking for one and then um katie wood wrote uh, from chester v- chester virginia ba- huh and about how she loved the baby making episode excellent and i bring that up because uh, father Na- uh, father nathan missed the mass this I year did. because of the COVID yep. but Father Jason Wunsch did it faithfully Yeah. It celebrated the baby making Mass just last week was it?
1: Yeah it was the 16th St. Gerard uh, and it was awesome because I think there were like 20 to 30 couples there 20 to 30 people I think um, and I would say <sighs> 10 of the couples that were there had direct experience to that Mass of either, they were there because somebody they knew got pregnant. They themselves were pregnant. They themselves had adopted. They themselves had miscarried, um, or they themselves were holding the child from the first, uh, the first baby making mess. Wow. So yeah, it was. I mean, God when God. I heard that, I was like teary eyed. So it was pretty cool.
0: Not man. surprised. We got a good God. Amen. All, all right. right. God bless you, everybody.
1: Thanks again. Uh, Baby Watch continues. No child. Uh, we'll let you know if anything happens. Thanks for week. you all
0: out there with the COVID.
1: For the Rona. All right. See you later, folks. Cheers.